something in the Word of God. And in this area, I just I have seen weird things go on as far as distraction from or to move our attention away from the Word of God. And so even right now, I just want to pray that God wouldn't distract our time so that as we put the focus on how we've been entrusted with the Word of God, that we ourselves would not be distracted in any way whatsoever. So let's let's just ask God to really uh, help us to be able to hear from Him and, and to focus in this time. So again, join me in prayer. Father, I just we commit this time once again to you. We thank you, Father, for, for your word. It has been entrusted uh, to us. And, Lord, we know the enemy, he seeks to distract us away from this and to confuse us and to um, block our progress, Lord, towards uh, taking your truth and internalize it, understand it. So, God, I just pray right now you'd, you'd bind the enemy from all distraction in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we ask you, God, to just grant us the freedom to focus and to hear from you, God. I pray that you would, you know exactly what we need to hear. I pray that you would speak to the very core of the issues that we brought with us tonight. Lord, you know the challenges we have when it comes to uh, guarding God's word. You know the patterns we've uh, struggled with. In regards to prioritizing God's word. And so, Lord, would you speak, God, right uh, to us, that we, each one of us would really uh, take away uh, your, your word and just uh, a clear understanding of how to uh, respond to you tonight. So, we ask for your help in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, Paul, he, he turns up the, the volume when he begins to talk about in chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to look at, uh, begin with verse 2, and he, he turns the volume up in this section, and there's something that he refers to in every chapter, and it's God's Word. He brings it up in different fashions, He's, he sort of uh, references it indirectly, and then directly here in, in chapter 4, verse 2, and it's just the idea of guard, guard that which has been entrusted to you. Guard it carefully. And so, the Bible itself is always our most priceless possession. And I want to sort of unpack this idea using uh, this verse. Here's what, it, here's what it reads. Paul tells Timothy, Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now, Paul, uh, you know, he starts with preach the word. He didn't really have probably what we have in our mind when we hear preach the word. When you think preach the word, it sounds like he's talking to someone like me only and a preacher, you know, a, a, a person who's delivering from a stage or from a church. Uh, that's not what Paul had in his mind when he's writing this to Timothy. Uh, it, it's, it's broader than that. Now, it could have involved Timothy proclaiming publicly God's word in a, in a setting where people are learning. But it's not just that. And so this word here, it, it's, it's the word, it's the word that, that would mean to herald something, to proclaim something. So to preach the word, it's, it's I'm proclaiming, and a herald role in those days was to go ahead and get out there and spread the news. They were, they were to declare things that were going on. If there was a message from the king or the emperor, they were the ones that were heralding that message in the streets. They wanted to make sure that everyone knew 
and what they needed to know. If there was news, it was, you know, pre-newspaper days, so things were being proclaimed, right? So he's saying, Timothy, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. And in verse 2, right here, Paul, he, he commands Timothy with five imperatives. And so everything you see in here, all the action in this passage is, is written in, in imperative language. So the verbs there are, you could almost put exclamation points after each one. So preach the word is really like, you know, preach at exclamation point and then be prepared exclamation point. Uh, he's, he's really trying to stir Timothy because Timothy, what, when you read Timothy, this book, you, you, you recognize that Timothy battled with fear. He was, he was timid on some things. And so a fair amount of this book, Paul is trying to stir Timothy up and say, hey, get out there. You can do this. God, God's, uh, God, his spirit is, is going to help you with this. So he starts commanding these things. So preach the word is really imperative. Uh, be prepared. That The idea of be prepared is, is be ready. Some of your translations might read be ready. It's, it's the, can be used of a soldier or a guard who, who is standing ready to spring into action. They're, they're maybe guarding or they, they're, they're in a position to where they're, they're protecting or they're, they're ready if the army needs to advance or they need to spring into the fight. This is the idea, is be prepared. With the word of God, we want to do these things. We want to preach it, so proclaim it. We want to be prepared. We want to correct. Uh, the idea of correction, when it comes to scripture, correct with scripture, it's when thinking it gets off or when perspective gets off, it requires some correction. Sometimes our thinking requires someone come alongside of us, our perspective gets off and someone can come and say, you know what, uh, it seems like your thinking is going out of bounds here on this. It's a perspective problem. And so... You, you may have been corrected by someone. Has anybody ever been corrected in their perspective by Scripture? Has God corrected you in your perspective through Scripture? Have people corrected you? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what the word corrected when it's tied to Scripture is. Uh, rebuke is it's, it's, it's very similar, but it's more personal. So to be rebuked, it means not just my thinking or my perspective is off, but my actions are off. And so, how many of you have been, have been rebuked by Scripture? Like your actions got off track. Not just your thinking, but you, you start moving out of bounds in some way in your life, and then someone comes alongside and, and rebukes you with Scripture. They, they say, you know, I'm concerned for you and for, for the direction you're going in, and they use the Scripture to do that. Paul tells Timothy also encourage. Again, that's an that's a exclamation point. It's an imperative there. Biblical encouragement is not, it's not, when we think encouragement, we tend to think attaboy, good job, way to go. You know, we're tempted to say that, uh, well done, in a sense. But biblical encouragement is, is very, with the word of God, is, is specifically using scripture to encourage. So, for example, I have a... I have a guy on my staff, and he senses God's calling him to a church plant. And his, his name is Bruce. And I encouraged him recently with the verse Luke 16, verse 12. It's, uh, it's, it's, and I said, Bruce, you've been faithful in that which is another's. You've been faithful with, with 
someone else's stewardship for years, and and now God has given you the green light to to launch out. And I, and you you're, you've passed a valuable test. And I, I encouraged him with scripture. I attached it to scripture. We talked about that. That's different than hey, good job, Bruce. You're you're doing you're doing well, man. Way to go, bro. And so I want to encourage you to to as you look at these at this uh, this verse here to to understand the imperative nature of it. Look at that phrase, in season and out of season. This, it's always our most priceless possession, the Word of God. Which is why I think the enemy just keeps going after this. If he can get us to, to loosen our grip on the Word of God and to neglect the Word of God in our lives, um, we get off track very quickly. And so it's always something to keep a grip on. Uh, here, here's a picture of a man. And has anybody ever traveled to Hearst Castle? Hearst Castle, beautiful castle uh, on the coast, on the central coast. I've been there several times. And he's an art, he was a famous art collector. And he was, he heard about a painting, he saw a painting, he really, I heard this story that he, 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 here's some pictures of his castle. Beautiful. Pause there for a moment. You see the tapestries, you see the paintings, the artwork, beautiful gardens. At one point, he saw a painting that he really wanted for himself. And, you know, when you're as wealthy as Hearst, you could have anything. And so he sends out his assistants to go and find this painting, and uh, they couldn't find it. Turns out, it was discovered in the archives of sort of in the basement of, of Hearst uh, Mansion. And so I, if you keep looking at some of the, the pictures, there's beautiful gardens and pools. And all along, this, this priceless work of art was in his possession, but he had no idea it was there. He had no idea. Everyone's looking for it. Now, how often do we do the same thing? Would we go searching for answers? We've got we've got something we really, really want, and all along, the help we need, the answers we've been searching for, it's, it's right here, but but we go looking everywhere else. We go to people. So this is sort of the flip side of, of this morning's message. You know, we talked a lot this morning about people and the value of community. And sometimes people prioritize community and relationships above the word of God and really getting to know God's word and they put themselves in a pretty dangerous place they become too dependent on people so how many of our questions or, or other people's questions would be answered just through serious and regular mining and studying and internalizing of God's word this is this is so important to grasp all the issues of, of our day all the core issues of our day God speaks to me there specifically or in principle. We can really, as we wrestle with, what's my thinking on this? What should my thinking be on these, on these moral issues, on these, these gray matters, on these uh, challenging things that are hitting our culture? The answers are, are available to you. That if you'll dig, if you'll get to know God's word, if you'll study. I was at a, uh, it was a talk that a man gave just recently in Anaheim. He spoke about the first 11 chapters of Genesis. 
And he, he said, I really think that in Genesis 1 through 11, all the core issues of our culture today are, are answered. Ethical issues, um, real challenging issues facing our society right now. He said, Genesis 1 through 11, he just challenged everyone. He said, you need to know Genesis 1 through 11. You learn, you learn about God's creation. You learn about the fall. You learn about the mandate. You learn about what we're to do in family life. What, what's the mandate? You learn about culture and, and answers questions about repentance and and, and but get get to know God's word. Everyone is running around right now in our culture without a foundation. And the Bible it, it helps us. We were to guard it like like we've been looking. We're to guard it carefully because it it helps us think foundationally. Look at the next two verses. He goes from there and he says to Timothy, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And all, all sorts of people are living this passage out. Here's a, a, a chart for you. How much of the Bible have you personally read? This is from Lifeway Research. 10% none of it. 13% only a few sentences. 30% several passages or stories. You can see the other. All of it, almost all of it. So only 11% all of it. Almost all of it, 12%. There was so much blood spilled to, to preserve this book. And so part of our role is to guard it carefully and to preserve it and pass this on to, to those who are coming up after us. And just tonight what I want to do is talk about how do I, what do I need to do with, with the Word of God? And there's three things you see, and I'm going to add one more at the end. So the first one is, Read it daily. Read it daily. 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Just this idea of continuing on reporting for duty each day, I'm, I'm amazed at how often my quiet time, my time with God prepares me for the day ahead. I think I shared this with someone at breakfast, but it's amazing how God is setting up my day and my schedule as I'm just talking to God and, and reading his word and, and how, he begin, how he speaks ahead of time and pre prepares me for conversations with my family or my staff or, or people that I know and get, trying to get to know. It, it's just... Even... even I'm in Exodus right now, in Exodus 17, and it's been, I just really enjoyed reading again the story in Exodus and seeing what God did to free his, his people. And, and last week, I think I shared with you guys already, been praying for my neighbor to come to Christ. And last week, as I was reading about the hardening of, of Pharaoh's heart, uh, it prompted me to pray 
for my neighbor in a different way because it just seemed like his his heart is is really really hardened and uh, I I started praying because he he would come to our church take a few steps forward and then several steps back and a few steps forward and several steps back and 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 I started just praying that God would allow the the hardships in his life which he's in the in the middle of several hardships to just To help him realize that he is he is in just great need for God, for God's help. And it seems like each week I'm like, this is probably gonna do it. Because it's just getting worse and worse and worse for the guy. And uh, his it seems like just everything is breaking down in his life. And so, well, we've been praying, my wife and I, that, that God would use the hardship that he's in to help him to recognize he needs, he needs Christ. And so, been praying, been praying, God, would you use hardship? Would you, would you, uh, would you just use hardship in his life? To, and so, we've been praying, my wife and I, and then uh, the end of last week, he stopped me as I was walking to my house and said, I have had a heck of a week. And he said, and I know you're praying for me. Oh, Yeah. And so I, I said, yeah, we've been praying for you. And, and so we were sharing together and listening to him some warnings. He's, it just seemed like I shared the gospel with him right there. It was 11.30 at night in my front yard. And uh, God was seemed to be speaking and seemed to be working. I thought he'd respond. And then I asked him some questions and it was clear he wasn't ready to respond. And so I said, well, I'm still praying for you. I prayed for him right then and there. And, and, and then the next day I think, okay, we're going to have a great conversation to follow us up. And sure enough, several steps back. It's like, won't respond to a text, won't. just seems like this is the way it's been going. And, but I'm, I'm just, as God, as God uh, allows, I just keep praying for the guy. And it's interesting that how I've seen the stubbornness in Pharaoh's heart apply to the stubbornness in my neighbor's heart. Like, I, I just see some things there. Correlations where I can, I, it, it helps me in my, interaction with him. Uh, reading the Bible every day, it, it, it matters. There's a different uh, study I should have brought it for you guys, but the more you read, the better. Uh, there, was, there was this study that said that if you read the Bible once a week, there's no change in your life. We don't know if you read this study, Neil. Read the Bible twice a week, three times a week. Four times a week is what is sort of the tipping point that this research study found. At four times a week, when you read the Bible, this is from the Center for the Bible for Bible Engagement. Four times a week, Christians who read the Bible four times a week were 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. Christians who read the Bible four times a week were 59% less likely to view pornography. Christians who read the Bible four times a week were 228% more likely to share their faith with others. And they were 407% more likely to memorize Scripture. Four times a week. So reading Scripture daily, building that habit in your life, which I know is a, a is something that is drilled into you in this environment. And, 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 and it's great because... This is the season of your life to establish this pattern. Life will only get more and more 
complex for you after you leave these years of college. When we went to plant our church, uh, my pastor, I sensed a call to, to plant. My pastor said, Josh, where do you think God's leading you to plant? And I, I said, well, I said, I'd really like to plant in a major city. I'd really like to plant in a place where there's growth and, if possible, uh, with a cool breeze near the beach. And I was serious. <laughs> I, one of the places I lived, I showed you, was in Pismo Beach, and so I thought, you know, the surfers need Jesus, too. And it sure would be nice if I could go back to the beach. And so my pastor said, why don't you make a list of, the, of, of you know, no more than 10 cities and look for cities that have a major, you know, a major city that are, and then another thing was I wanted to be close to a, a state school. And so I, I just went through the state of California. I sensed God wanted us to stay in California. So I just listed the major cities and where all the state schools were. And uh, Riverside was on the list. And I prioritized them uh, according to the desires of my heart. <laughs> and so Riverside was at the bottom of my list. I, was, I, I went to college in Riverside. I appreciated the time there. And I was grateful when God said, you've graduated and you can move west. <laughs> uh, I wanted to get as close to the coast as I could. And, but as I was reading my quiet time, God used something in my quiet time to direct me in this question of what am I supposed to do? Uh, where am I supposed to plant? So I, I, re I recognized that I was sort of running from a lot of wise counsel. All the wise counsel that I asked said, Josh, you should consider Riverside. There's, there's a large state school there, UC Riverside. Uh, it's the most diverse of all the UCs in California, culturally. It is, uh, it is uh, there's a young median age in Riverside. It's a major city. It's projected to keep growing. There's actually a ton of growth right now in Riverside County. And it's, it's, this is a key opportunity. This was back in 2005, 2006. And all of it on paper made a lot of sense, but I, I wanted to live by the ocean. And, and I'm just being really honest with you. And I was, I was really being honest with anyone else about that, but, I, but I, that's what was sort of wrestling, what I was wrestling with. But I sensed that I was really being resistant, and so I, I took out my list, and I decided, I'm going to ask God to answer this question about Riverside, yes or no. And so I started taking trips to Riverside. What I had been doing was I started with the top of my list, which was the coastal spots, driving out to spots, praying, asking God to, to clarify, and I wasn't really getting any clear uh, sense on what I ought to do. But I flipped that around and said, I'm going to go to Riverside. All the council seems to point to Riverside. We had uh, the director of our Baptist mission that, that encouraged me to explore this one part of Riverside. So I, I would drive up to this neighborhood called Orange Crest in Riverside, where we eventually planted our church. And, and I, I would sit there in this park just asking for God to, to clarify. And uh, I had my journal out and I had my Bible out and pen. And I was praying and writing thoughts down. And the question came to my mind, why not Riverside? Why not Riverside? And I, I immediately, I just said, I, I wrote, he, now it was middle of August in Riverside under a picnic shelter at a park. 105 degrees outside at least. And so I wrote the word heat and, and safety. Because when I was in Riverside as a college student, there was just constantly sirens uh, all around and overhead. There was constantly helicopters 
you know, searching over the campus that I went to. And when I was inside of the campus, I felt safe, but leaving, I didn't always feel that safe. And so the thought of, I'm going to raise my family here, I'm going to, I'm going to thrive here, it just wasn't what I was thinking. And, but I wanted to be really honest. Those were, that was what was going on in my heart, heat and safety. And I looked out in the distance and there was this dry, arid hill out in the distance towards Moreno Valley, a little further west. And as I wrote the word heat, I like, I was just reflecting. I looked out in the distance and I saw this arid, dead, not green at all, rock mountain in the distance called Box Springs Mountain. It's above UC Riverside. And I, I looked at it and it was just, I, I pointed at it and I said, that's why I don't want to move here. I'm going to dry up if I come here. Probably look like a crazy man. I'm in a park pointing. <laughs> that, it's hot here, God. It's really hot here. And I just read, I just read Psalm 121 right before that, previously, the day before. And I, I, I'm looking at these mountains and I, First part of Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. And I'm looking at this hill, and I and I and it just jogged my memory from what I had just read the day before. And so I opened to Psalm 121, which reads, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip, he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. You will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. And I, I immediately I didn't realize the connection. You you're making the connection, but I'm slow. <laughs> and I and I look back at my journal, heat and crime, and I looked at it and I, I thought, wow. There's something going on here. <laughs> the two issues that I had written down were addressed there. The heat. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep watch over your life. I was thinking about crime and, and, and safety. I'm thinking, do I want to raise a family in this in this city that, that I knew to be a pretty crime-ridden city at that point? Or prior to that. And it's like the Lord just said, I'll take care of you. I, I, I've got you in my hands. I'll watch over your life. I'll, I'll provide the refreshment. And I realized, and I wrote down my journal, I could move to the beach and find no refreshment there if I'm outside of the will of God. And uh, so I said, God, are you calling me to move to Riverside? And, and, and I asked the Lord, like, Gideon, can you give me something else to work with? I... I you know, I asked that, I, I prayed, would you confirm that in some way? And I'm not making this up. And he can testify to this. Uh, my phone rang. Answer the phone. It's, it's that guy right over there, Scott. Uh, we've been friends since college. And he called me up and, and he said, hey, Josh, can I borrow a sledgehammer? And I, I thought, <laughs> sure, no problem. I'm in Riverside right now. He was going to break up a patio uh, slab in his backyard. And, uh, yeah, I'll get it to you later on. I'm in Riverside right now. And he said, well, what are you doing out in Riverside? I said, well, I'm trying to figure out where God, I'm out here praying, trying to figure out if God's calling, where God's calling us to, to plant a church. And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. 
Penny and I were trying to get our life, our finances in a place where we can just move wherever God directs you guys to move. So we're just trying to get prepared so that if, if God leads you to a place and calls you to a city, we can move with you. Now, they were from Church in the Valley, from my ascending church. And I said, well, we hadn't talked about that in, I don't know how many years, many years. And I said, well, what do you think about Riverside? I said, let's go. And so called my wife, called my pastor, and uh, we started making plans to move to Riverside. But God's got many times, not, not all the time, but sometimes I'm reading scripture and God is preparing me for a decision I'm about to make or a conversation I'm about to have. So read, read it daily. Second, handle it accurately. So look at 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 18, especially verses 15 and 16. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. And we'll just look at those two verses, verse 15 and 16. But the idea here, handle God's word accurately. Understand what it says. What it, uh, Avoid twisting scripture to get it to say what you want it to say. I brought some examples of this. Here's a, here's a verse that I've been told Christian girls can take out of context. Go ahead and skip forward. Right there. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, if that's, if that's that. but you want to avoid twisting it to say what to say what you want it to say. Here's a here's a picture. Here's a picture for you. You want God to do the impossible for you? <laughs> or this next one. <laughs> you want to handle it accurately. I have a, a fun video we can watch here to illustrate this. Have you ever seen this guy, John Christ? Yeah. Okay, you may have seen this. It's about lady who has a Bible verse for every situation. Oh man does not live by bread alone. Do you want to take a bite of this? 
Mm-mm, man's original sin is my first song to only from me. <laughs> <laughs> he will not tempt you beyond what you can handle. Oh, Zales, absolutely not. My treasure is in heaven. Nay, less is heaven a sale. Leave me not into temptation. <laughs> Oh, judge all you want to. You without sin cast the first stone. <laughs> I look at this. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. <laughs> in the Nestle Toll House of the Lord forever. Only <laughs> here for a sale, and they don't have my size. Jesus, please, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. <laughs> all examples of what you don't want to be doing. <laughs> so, what, when you read the Bible, what, what does it say? Who wrote it? Who the right? Who are they writing it to? What What was the occasion? A good question to ask is what, what What prompted this book to be written? If it's a letter, what prompted the uh, the letter to be written? What What is it actually saying? What would this have meant to to the original hearers? What's the point of the book? If you read a verse and it's just not clear to you what it's meaning, and you're tempted to to take it out of context. What's, what's the book say? What's the chapter say? Uh, what, what type of literature in the Bible is this? What does the rest of Scripture say about this? Because oftentimes, other Scripture, you, you, you look at another Scripture, and it'll help you interpret the, the, the challenging Scripture that you're facing. So handle it accurately. One, I have more thoughts on that, but we'll move forward. Apply it immediately. So read it daily, handle it accurately, and apply it immediately. Uh, I'm not saying like in a neurotic sense, but as, as soon as God speaks, get after it. As soon as God says, this is, this is what you need to do with this, then, then get after it. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I used to tell my kids, because one of my mentors said this and made a lot of sense, delayed obedience is what? Disobedience. That really applies. When God is clear through his word, and and we know what we're to do with it, but we don't do it, we're in disobedience. God speaks to us through the reading of his word, through taking it in, but he often just, he he wants us to uh, read with a readiness to respond to him. He wants us to be ready to respond. In my quiet time this morning, I read out of Exodus 17, and it's the story where um, Moses, the, the Amalekites attacked the Israelites, and Moses uh, sends in Joshua to fight the Amalekites, and Moses goes up on the mountainside with a couple of assist, assistants, and he has a staff with him, and as long as he's able to hold up his staff, uh, the Israelites are winning the war with the Amalekites. And he gets some help when he's weak. And so as I was uh, preparing and just thinking about the leader and the role of uh, submitting to God and asking for God's help and asking for God's blessing, as I was preparing for today or this morning's message and tonight's message, just thinking through, I need to be in prayer often through this. My family back at home is praying. They're holding, in a sense, holding uh, me up as I'm, as I'm uh, here in prayer. Well, Scott, my friend, has been praying for me as, as I'm here. Again, I'm, I'm thinking through, how, God, how does your word apply now? And how can I respond to your word in faith? First uh, Kings 19, verse 6, is a passage out of Elijah. or out of, uh, It's about Elijah. And, uh, and the, this is a situation where Elijah is on the run. Uh, he is 
he has ticked off a lady named Jezebel. Uh, she's a wicked lady, and in my quiet time, I guess it's been, this is about six or seven years ago, uh, I was, I was, it was, a new year had started, God had given me some clarity on what he wanted us to do as a church, and I took my, my sense of what he wanted to do to meet with my mentor and say, here's what I sense God wants us to focus on this year, I had a, a really, what looked like a solid plan, he's, he, he said, ah, that is great, Josh. I just affirm that. It's encouraging to see. I left the meeting as I'm driving home, sort of ready to make some key uh, to steps to, to put some things into action. I got a horrible phone call uh, about a situation in our church that had happened. And there was a, uh, it, it, it was just, uh, it involved uh, uh, one of the families in our church, and there was a, there was a molestation situation that had happened at a, at a school. That involved a family that was really precious to, to me and their children and one of their children. And I get this phone call from one of my friends, and he's crying. And I and I my heart just sinks. And and I don't know what to do. I said, I'm, I'll be right there. I drove over, prayed with them, cried with them, and tried to just be there to help them understand uh, just as best as we could the situation. God had given me. This plan, a few hours before, everything, I had a real clear focus, but this situation, and I didn't really know what to do. And for days, I couldn't eat. Um, I, could, I, I, I was sick to my stomach about the whole situation. I just couldn't force food down. I could not eat. And uh, in my quiet time, I, I didn't stop my quiet time, and I came uh, after the third day to, to uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. And as I'm reading 1 Kings 19, uh, Elijah, it says he was afraid about this lady that was chasing him down. He ran for his life. He came to Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. It says that he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. And he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He's just deeply depressed about the situation. Then it says, then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Then it reads, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around. There by his head was a cake of bread. Later on it says, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is, is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and he was strengthened by, by that food. So I read that in my quiet time. And I was, I was struggling. I, I tried to eat for days and I just couldn't do it. And I just sensed God was strengthening me through this. And, and, and so I went downstairs and I just and 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 God strengthened me. I was able to keep food down. I was able to um, move forward and, and have the strength to do what I needed to do. There were situations that needed to be attended to. I needed to lead courageously through the challenge. But it was both reading and then applying what what God was how God was speaking through His Word. One last thing I want to say before we close is is this: it's, you can do these things. Um, but you need to love God's word. So I added this point, and I, I don't really like love it primarily because it doesn't. But it, it's true what that's saying. Love it primarily. It needs to be the primary love of your life, God's word, to where you're you're desperate to hear from God, to where you're unwaveringly going to Him, to where you're 
you're soaking it up and it becomes your air, your food. And I've seen how it nourishes me, how it, it lights my path, how, how trustworthy it is to guide me. Uh, in my church, we're a young church, uh, we have a bunch of doers, which is great. You know, scripture says, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. We have a bunch of doers of the word, but something that God has recently been showing me is that we need to be lovers of the word. We need to love the word of God. Because what happens if you're a doer without loving God's word is you end up really lacking spiritual uh, heart and fervor and you, you dry up. If you're obsessed with something, if you're desperate for something, right, it fills you, it satisfies you, it nourishes you, it supplies, it supplies what you need to, uh, to, to continue pressing forward. And so that's something for us as a church that I, I'm, uh, I wanted to put our focus on is in the, the passage Revelation 2, 2 through 4 is what God used uh, a few months back to bring this up. As I was reading the word, uh, Jesus is walking amongst uh, the churches and it says he comes to this church and he, he says this to them, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you can't tolerate wicked men, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles that are not and have found them false. You've persevered, you've endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. And in some ways I, I saw it describing some things about our church. But then it says this, yet I hold this against you, you've forsaken your first love. And as I read that in my quiet time, God just sort of hit me with it. Like, this is a point to check. That, 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 that people wouldn't get past the basics of, of loving God and his word. So I want to encourage you with that. And I'd like to pray as we, as we close. Father, again, I thank you for our time. Thank you for this group, God. It's been a joy. To, to sit with them and to, to dine with them and to hike with them, to, just to share life with them. Lord. I'm so encouraged by uh, the Christian challenge here. I, I came into this this weekend and this week just uh, feeling somewhat timid, and and you know, but this group has been really gracious and and has displayed just a tremendous amount of teachability. And so I'm just grateful, Lord, for the work you're doing here. I'm excited to see how you'll continue to speak through the week. Uh, Father, I pray that we would treasure your word, that we would love your word, and we would uh, guard it carefully, Lord, and we, would, uh, we wouldn't uh, allow or distraction or fatigue or, or uh, confusion to, to keep us from your word. I pray for those that are struggling specifically in this area of, of getting rooted in, in your word and your truth, that you help them to experience a breakthrough. Lord, I pray if the enemy is, is, is involved in the distraction or the lies or the, the, the fatigue, uh, we, we pray you, you block him from, from that. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask for your help in all these things. We pray. Amen.